0: Hello and welcome to episode 114 114 of What Most People Think. How are you? I hope you enjoyed Halloween. I I don't know what that means now. Has become more of a thing, isn't it? Dressing your kids up as uh, zombies and and the undead. That's, uh, yeah, I'm sure, sure Sure, that's completely normal, but fuck it, autumn shit. The weather's terrible. It's something to do, isn't it? And I hope you notice now that the new theme tune uh, is bedded in. It's bedded in. It only, I mean, let's be honest. It only took me six months to sort it out, uh, but I hope you're liking that, and we've had a little tweak-up of some of the other uh, stings and jingles. I don't know why you give a shit about any of this stuff. I hope you enjoyed COP26. I know it's was very exciting for uh, a, a lot of people. I think the main takeaway from COP26 is that no one gives that much of a toss today. I mean, they, I was looking at the BBC News every day and you, there's the BBC top stories. This is an interesting way, given what the podcast is about, what most people think is where, you know, public opinion really is versus where established media sources and perhaps kind of liberal metropolitan elites or what other kind of cliche you want to call them, where, where they lie. And the cop stories never featured in the top 10. And it was plastered over the BBC website every single day. And every day, the top news story on BBC News would be something like Man Rescued from Paddle Boat. <laughs> I mean, it's just, even if the paddle boat accident was sort of caused by a global warming, I still think that the public was struggling to give a toss. It just, you know, I know, look, there'll be a lot of you listening who will think, well, the climate, Jeff, it's important. And just it's just hard it's just hard for people to care and then, and one of the things that I find interesting is that this the way it's presented is as though we've suddenly gone oh yeah this is something we need to do something about I remember all this stuff when I was a kid at school we were talking about the environment and deforestation you know I always remember that there was that famous stat about an area of trees being deforested the size of whales it was always whales wasn't it <laughs> I don't know if someone's was harbouring some 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 sort of subconscious f- fantasy to just forest away whales but um but look yeah we it's it, the same as nutrition so I've gone straight into it this week hope you don't mind me going off on a tangent but it's the same as nutrition you know we talk about we need to tell kids about diet who here remembers right hey I'm going to do it the old way hey who remembers right garlic bread who who remembers that that diagram do you remember it used to be on your school on the wall at primary school and it had a plate and that plate, it had like what you should have of each food group. So like half of the plate was kind of veg. I don't think, you know, you're lucky. You're going to be lucky if anybody goes half of the plate veg. And then a quarter was protein and a quarter was carbs. I think most people go half of the plate uh, carbs, half of the plate meat, and then just a sprinkling of peas on top. And the point is, is that we knew, we knew that that stuff was important then. That That's what I find odd about so many of these arguments about feminism, about climate, about social justice is that, that there is this sort of presentism where we act like it's the first time that we're having these discussions. But I'll tell you one thing, it's the first time that we're having it through the medium of social media, which can make it seem like one point of view is way, way more popular uh, than it usually is. Uh, I had a good week last week. I did a tour show in Birmingham and uh, Birmingham, Brummies are a loud crowd, man. There was a... Uh, You have that weird thing sometimes when you're on stage where you sort of think, "Well, come on, weren't that funny?" (laughs) That's a sign of a good crowd, right? You do a little ad lib, like, "Wow!" You're like, "Right, okay, we're going to have a good night here. We have a good night." It's like uh, let's get a cricket analogy out here. It's like you get out on a flat batting wicket, you know, and you go straight nicely onto the bat, and it goes easily for four. Um, But yeah, that was a great gig. And I think now in terms of the autumn dates that are left remaining next Thursday, the 12th. Is it the 12th or the 13th? Uh, I'm in Leeds at Leeds City Varieties, the biggest venue of the tour. And we are getting close to sold out. Uh, The dates in Maidenhead and Milton Keynes are all sold out. Milton Keynes might like have a single. And I'll mention the uh, spring dates later. In terms of new patrons, uh, I'm going to do a new thing here because sometimes people edit their pledge up. Sometimes they edit it down, probably more often they edit it down, but um, sometimes they edit it up. So I'm doing a new thing, which is a double shout out. If you edit your pledge up, whatever you edit it up by, you're getting an, a, a fresh, fresh shout out. So a shout out to Angela Mears, who kindly edited her pledge up. And in terms of other new patrons, there was only one this week. I mean, Jesus Christ. What have I done? Did I do, was it? Is it the new theme tune? You know, but um, Adam Lewis. So welcome, Adam Lewis. We have to. I almost forgot to take the piss out of Adam Lewis's name. I mean, it is interesting when I'm on tour. How many of you seem to be quite honoured by the fact that I rip your name, um, Adam Lewis? Adam Lewis. What is he? Is he like? Is he like? I wonder if Adam Lewis pretends that he's related to John Lewis. That would be a good bloke, wouldn't it? When you're in mobs, like because it sort of be plausible, wouldn't it? Yeah, you go. If you kept it like, if you just went, yeah, my uh, my great, I'm uh, second cousin. I mean, I'm like, I'm not going to inherit loads, but I am related to John Lewis. I mean, I don't even know what John Lewis is. I'm presuming he's one of these fucking uh, retailers of the Victorian era, probably. You know, he. It is funny how these places just come from people's names, John Lewis. I mean, it's strange that it's the hallmark of quality, but when you think about it, it's just one of the most run of the mill English, names, <laughs> John Lewis. That doesn't sound like an upmarket brand, does it? We've only made it. They've had to sell a lot of quality furniture before uh, their name sounds synonymous with quality. Uh, in terms of Patreon generally, check your accounts, obviously, because we had uh, they, uh, the pay run thing goes at the end of the month. And a lot of people who didn't want to, uh, their accounts are just randomly shut down. And there are benefits, of course. So you, if you become a patron, you will unlock immediately. My whole last tour show, Take It Libby's, you can just watch that immediately. You just join, you just watch it. There is my Live at the Apollo that may or may not be there because I'm not sure I technically have the right for it to be there. So that might be there. Uh, there's my whole lockdown set from last year at Comedy Unleashed. There's a few radio bits that much may or may not or should or should not um, be there. Then there's uh, a monthly Patreon-only episode whereby you guys, I answer any questions that you have. And then also, as I'm becoming slightly less mentally busy and we're getting into slightly colder months, I'm thinking of doing something in December that'll uh, be a sort of live online event. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, the cuss count for last week, uh, very low. Very low. Just one bastard. No, I mean, there are other swear words, but it's only 0.2 swears a minute. But li- Ian Stone, what was what was I playing at? I barely swore at all. Ian Stone... Uh, who'd said that he was quite happy to uh, be at the lower end of the swear count and then put in 10 swears. That's a lot. That That is a, that is a good knock. So um, fair play to Ian Stone. Uh, this week, uh, it's going to be a solo show. I hope you don't mind. I know that statistically, the solo shows, uh, people do... What, about 2,000 people tap out of them? Which, um... <laughs> me? Take stuff personally? <laughs> You've got to be joking. But uh, do stay tuned because I, I think sometimes it's worth getting... Uh, into the reeds, or is it weeds of stuff? I've started using that phrase. Do you ever get that where one week you just find yourself using this new little phrase? I think if you're in a, in a couple, you do notice that about your partner, and then it can be yet another one of those things that annoys wives about their husbands. Like, fucking arse, I would just start using that phrase. You he he heard it on Bake Off, and he just. <laughs> um, the subjects we're going to be looking at, we're going to be looking at uh, Terry Gilliam. Ex-Monty Python. Are oh, they still Monty Pythons? They'll probably do another tour, won't they? You know what I mean? Just fucking being propped up on statins and fucking various medication. But he got uh, cancelled from being the director of a show in the West End. There was this interesting uh, story that, that emerged whereby Morrisons had put, well, what, what was portrayed as anti-EU packaging on its chicken. And a lot of hardcore remainers had a fucking meltdown. It was sort of hilarious. And we're going to talk about a bit of men's mental health. He's um he's about how you come down from being really busy. So I've been a bit busy recently, and it's it's tricky, isn't it? You always think, oh, time off will solve everything, and uh, and sometimes it's a little bit more complicated than that. So before we get into today's into today's main subjects, we're uh, we're going to do a thank you and a fuck you. I went to cinema the other day. Oh, you've been not busy, Jeff? Have you ever got time to go and see the film June? Yeah, I did. Two and a half hours. And also, because of the name of the film, and this is, I'm not just making this up, I said to my wife, I'm going to see Dune. And she was like, who's (laughs) Dune? I was like, what do you mean Dune? I'm going to see Dune. I've I've wanted to see Dune for ages. Who is Dune, Jeff? Is she a colleague? I was like, oh, Dune. I'm going to see Dune. I'm going to see the film Dune. And it was really good. It was just escapist. It's a lot of the stuff. It's a, look, I'm not going to say that. Yeah, I'm gonna say it. it's a blokey film. It's a blokey film because it's mainly because the only other people in the cinema were all men of my age on their own, right? Um, but it was it was a good film. I won't do any spoiler alerts, but it did have the most random uh, use of bagpipes uh, in a film. Just at some point, I mean, I won't spoil it for you, but at some point, someone plays some bagpipes, and I gotta say, in uh, this galaxy. This fictional galaxy, like way, way away. I don't I mean, just a random Scottish thing there. You could have had someone eating a deep fried Mars bar, you know, or Neeps and tatties. <laughs> it just was really unexpected. You see, by the way, have you seen the China the the US of approved vaccinations for five to eleven year olds? I mean, I don't want to open Pandora's box here and I know the provax people, but come on, man. Five five-year-olds. I know that there are some vulnerable positions. That's a completely separate issue, but I do think it... Well, I didn't expect to get into this, but I do think it was a very different calibration for adults, wasn't it? But you go, look, I know that factually we don't have any studies into the long-term side effects of this vaccine, right? Because we don't, because we're not in the long-term. But on balance, it was a decision I made. I got double vaccinated, and a lot of people did. But by the time you get down to, like, teenagers, then children, you go, is the balance of risk worth it you know i'm not saying that having the vaccination poses a huge risk to kids but equally getting covid doesn't pose a huge risk to them either you know i mean i'm going to sound completely uneducated here but i remember my mum you used to have measles parties chicken pox do you remember that i'm just fucking imagining something here well your parents like were desperate for you to get chicken pox when you're a kid so they would they would <laughs> this sounds mental now but they would hear that another another kid had chicken pox round the way and then they would just get a play date organised I mean it's almost a bit gross when you think about it it's almost like sending you out to stud <laughs> just one kid who had chicken pox just be, oh, yeah, it was a really quality chicken pox and then, then your old dear just stand there going yeah tenner a pop if you want in because they, he is so contagious you will definitely get it off of him uh, yeah, so if you're listening, Gen Z's and Millennials, that, that sort of shit happened. I doubt very much in the kind of more risk averse helicopter children uh, era that that would happen now. But let me know. Write in what most people think UK at gmail.com. Uh, it's got a bit quiet on the letters recently. So just just a reminder if you want to come back to me on any subjects, uh, in the show, or suggest something to talk about, or, or just factually correct me, because let's be honest, I get a lot of shit wrong. Then do write in, and it is uh, just a fuck you to Insulate Britain. I know, I know, I wang on about them a lot, but there was further footage that emerged this week of uh, Copper in the West Midlands, who basically was sort of negotiating with uh, um, Insulate Britain. You never negotiate with terrorists. All right, then maybe they're not terrorists, but let's be honest, man. If, if any other group in society were doing what they were doing... I was on the Jeremy Vine show this morning. He made the point of... I mean, if this was a group of uh, young Asian lads, right? How quickly would the police be there and putting people in fucking headlocks then? You know? Why do these people just get away with it? <laughs> I, do, I do sound like a talk radio host now. Why do these people just get away with it? These fucking... Soap- like, but they do seem to have a bit of privilege. They do seem to have a bit of privilege, but... But anyway, look, the point is, is that you can't have light-touch policing around these... Areas. Like, the law is the law, right? And there's specific, you're, you're totally entitled to democratic protest, but you don't get to, like, specifically break the law and basically <laughs> hold up hundreds, if not thousands of people, okay? And I saw this video, which wound me up as well. There was a meeting. Uh, this was Insulate Britain people sort of psyching themselves up to go out on, on their mission to glue their faces to, like, the M6... And um, they were all kind of going, I trust you, I believe in you. And I sort of thought, this is a bit like, I don't know if you remember seeing Four Lions, but this is like uh, the dinghy Rapids, Brother Roma, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Insulation awaits, inshallah. <laughs> I mean, one of the coppers at this, uh, at this protest, he said, um, look, I'm going to allow 10 more minutes of this. 10 more minutes! Well, is there any other crime in the world where they would bargain and go, all right, this looting, okay, you could, you could have two more pairs of Nike Airs and then that really is it. Okay, let's crack into this week's subjects, the first of which is the cancellation of Terry Gilliam. Okay, so I don't know if you saw about this, but uh, the X python um, Terry Gilliam was uh, down to be director of a production of Into the Woods at the Old Vic, right? And uh, you would think that in this period after lockdown and stuff, the the West End needs to sell tickets first and foremost, right? You know, so they need big names. They need things that are going to put bums on seats. And uh, so he was down to direct this thing, and uh, that would certainly get it publicity, and there's a, a very loyal Python audience out there that will probably go and see anything that most of those guys are involved in, right? But then it transpires, the workers at the Old Vic, I mean, the, the story doesn't ever say exactly who these workers are, but the workers at the Old Vic, they aren't happy about some stuff that he said uh, on Me Too, first and foremost. On Me Too, I think he said that he turned into, it It had turned into a bit of a witch hunt. You know, I can see that that is contentious to some people, but it certainly wasn't an unheard of viewpoint at the time, you know, that the first wave of me too was like over the Harvey Weinsteins and you know, and then the second wave was like going for the, the, the creeps. And then the third wave did seem to get a bit into the territory of like, uh, he left his hand on my knee for a millisecond, you know? So the, <laughs> see, am I going to get in trouble for that? This is, this is the problem with this shit. It makes you self-censor. I'm leaving that in. It comes to something, doesn't it, when me making a throwaway comment about leaving a hand on a knee feels like edgelord comedy. So anyway, he said, he said that on Me Too, and then he said something which I think was on the lazy side about, you know, this trope about, oh, well, I identify as a black transsexual lesbian, right? I thought it's just kind of lazy. We've we've heard this sort of joke before. It's not something I would really do. But here's the thing: he's just saying stuff, right? He's just saying words just sentiments throw away maybe a bit provocative maybe a bit contentious but you know maybe they're tweets or maybe they're just things you say offhand in interviews but they're just words right they're not intrinsically linked to the work that he does so anyway the workers at the vic unite uh, and remember when workers used to unite for things like paying conditions well now that they unite to kind of sort of get rid of people whose views they find challenging or offensive or make them feel unsafe you know that trope comes up time and time again, copyright Simon Evans. And the reason I've led with this instead of politics this week, uh, it's rare that I do that, is I think this is really important, man. We are, we're, we're told frequently that cancer culture is just a myth, which is kind of gaslighting, isn't it? By the people on the left that invented the word gaslighting and used gaslighting, sometimes when you could just use the word manipulation, right? Uh, you, I mean, when did somebody manipulating somebody in a relationship become gaslighting? But well, I don't know but what is the difference in, in the word uh, it, I mean it, as well like the word gaslighting more commonly gets applied to men and I think that it is kind of funny to a lot of people to believe that men had suddenly got better at manipulation than women I mean when you when you watch a man trying to manipulate a woman it's a bit like it's a bit like seeing a dog trying to get a drink from a garden sprinkler isn't it you know <laughs> in his mind he, he's going really well but mostly he's getting hit in the face it's just the consequences, Jeff. Look, free speech comes with responsibilities. Oh, you're talking to fucking Spider-Man. Like, with great power comes great responsibility. With being a straight white man who's in Monty Python, you can't fucking say anything. Just consequences. But are the, are the consequences proportionate? I think we all understand that everything has consequences. You know, it's like me and my gig saying, oh, you're free to heckle me, but the consequence will be that I'll shoot you in the fucking face. I mean, that's still a consequence. It'd be a bit harsh, wouldn't it? I mean, this isn't unheard of either. So there's a story about a comic and it's not my story to tell. So i have to be, sort of apologies, a little bit vague about this. But the last Edinburgh Fringe that went ahead, uh, a comic who, you know, maybe is on a similar side of the fence to me to an extent, I uh, was doing challenging things in their comedy, uh, which you know, kind of. Some people would say that that is what stuff on stage is supposed to do. But, um, but it was reviewed a lot. This show and it got great reviews across the board, and it was seen by a lot of left-wing reviewers, and none of them took particular issue with the content. Right? Normally, like, let's be honest, it left-wing critics, a certain kind of left-wing critic, they would love... <laughs> if there was anything to get their teeth into. They, you, you'd have heard about it, right? But then there were youngsters working at the venue that were hearing, you know, occasionally they sit in the room and they watch the, the audience and they were hearing certain things and certain people laughing at certain things and they decided that it was problematic and they petitioned the venue. Now, in fairness to the venue, in this case, they stood their ground. But, you know, this this is probably the exception rather than the rule. And that was two and a half years ago. Would that venue still do this now? Why have the old Vic given in to this? Well, you know, given... Give it, I suppose, with the Kevin Spacey thing. they, um, Yeah, they didn't cover themselves in glory there, didn't they? Maybe it's a case of uh, once bitten, twice shy, uh, which is not... I'm not saying that that is one of the things... That sounds like something Kevin Spacey did, you know? Did he bite people? I don't know. So this stuff is happening. This stuff is happening. And I, I think it is so important that, that people in senior positions hold their line, but... But they are scared, aren't they? We discuss it time and time again. That they're scared of their names appearing. They're scared of being the one trending. And they never seem to worry about the, the composite effects beyond social media. You know, it's like, it's like the TV stations where they do things to please people uh, or, or, or to keep the wolf from the door. But you know, they, then they look at you know, the overall degree to which their audience you know, share is going down. And and I wonder at what point they have to prioritize commercial interests, right? That's not it's not the worst thing in the world to say that. You could just say, right? Here's a crazy idea. Yeah, we're a theatre, and uh, you know, I think that what Terry Gilliam said was a bit, you know, the Me Too thing was yeah, but the other thing was yeah, it was a bit provocative. He was being a bit of a dick, but you know what? Uh, some sometimes you know artists have dickish opinions, and we'd really like to sell some fucking tickets here. <laughs> it's okay if we just do this and people just have their views and the people that find Terry Gilliam really offensive you know to the point where even the idea of him directing a play I mean this is the funny thing isn't it it's not, it's not like you got to sit in the venue with and watch the bloke on stage it's just oh god that made me sick there the way that actor said that line I could tell that that was Terry Gilliam's toxic hand on his delivery uh, and I just think it does cut both ways this is what they don't realise is that you can see people on the right now increasingly getting savvy as to how this works. So, you know, before long, you get a fucking Anglia weatherman who just gets loses his job before because he had a poppy on the wrong way around. <laughs> you know, or somebody that just uh, used the wrong sort of adjective for referring to Her Majesty the Queen, you know, like or not bowing correctly or, or, or not wearing a a, 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 a sombre enough looking dress when they're covering a royal funeral I mean all this stuff cuts both ways it's part of the same spectrum and, and the, the point is is that you don't want to live in a world where creative people are constantly second guessing themselves because they think you know there might be a backlash it's, it's like anxiety it's the fear of fear itself and Terry Gilliam sadly is just another casualty along the way <laughs> Okay, just a quick hype here for the spring tour as I mentioned earlier in the show we are coming to some places we're coming to the Grange Theatre in Northwich so when, when we first went on sale the link for this wasn't working or at least I hope it wasn't that way. <laughs> it explained the sales but uh, Northwich do you live in Northwich I don't really know where's that near Crew, Nantwich I don't know there must be someone that lives where? Is it north of Norwich? I mean, annoyingly, it's right. It's quite close in my list of gigs to Norwich, and I keep getting confused. But that is on sale, uh, the 11th of February. Uh, we're in Carlisle, Friday the 4th of March. I'm, I'm already savouring that journey up the M6 on a Friday. I'll probably have to set off on the Tuesday. Uh, we are at, and I keep getting this wrong, we're not back in Northampton. I fucked this up last week. We're at the Castle Theatre in Wellingborough. In Wellingborough, on the 18th. No, on the 9th of March, I'm doing, this is going really well, Uh, the Castle Theatre, a great venue there, Uh, hoping to see as many of you there uh, as possible, then we're at the Taunton Brew House on Friar Spinner, a really awful night, one of the bleakest travel lodges I've ever stayed at recently in Taunton, (laughs) did I mention this to you, about I wanted to stay sort of like a bit along the journey home, so I finished the gig and then drove to Taunton, and uh, well, I ended up eating KFC in my car, sat outside the Travelodge, because I couldn't decide what was more tragic was to eat it, <laughs> to eat it in, in the room or in my car. And it turned out just being at a travel lodge in Tornham was the most tragic thing. But I'm sure it's a lovely place, and it would be great to see some tickets uh, being snapped up there. Because bear, bear in mind, like, you got Christmas coming up, you know, you're old man, or, you know, if you, you and your partner want to go, just buy him the ticket, buy her the ticket, and then say it's a present to them, In fact, when in fact it's for both of you, right? That's easy, isn't it? It's one of those ones you can do easily. Just go online. That's how we want to buy Christmas presents now. Google tour jeff norcott live nation fucking there you go done in two minutes flat i'm at the lincoln performing arts center on the 26th of march i'm at the lawrence batley theater in huddersfield on the 27th of march i'm at the connaught theater on the 1st of april i went there it was one of those weird ones that i did in the autumn kind of lockdown period and we we got a couple of hundred people in and it was it was a hilarious situation where everyone was kind of looking like are we allowed to be doing this it felt like a bit of a speakeasy Okay, so this story about Morrison's chicken. <laughs> so they had a product on sale that Morrison's uh, Butcher's British Chicken, Salt and Pepper Chicken Crown, roast in the bag, made from British chicken. Okay, I'm not sure the chicken thought of itself as British, but I take their point. It's got a nice big Union Jack on the packaging, no bad thing. And it says, a non EU salt and pepper. And this caused a backlash on Twitter. And one person accused them of stoking anti-EU hatred. Um, I'm not sure salt and pepper. Is, is salt and pepper really is that possible? Would anyone be here's the here's the question I asked, right? Would anyone feel hatred after seeing that and going, God, they'll be, first up, they'd have to be reminded of something they already felt. Going, oh yeah, bloody years we had just EU salt and pepper rammed down our throat. I I hate the EU more now. Been reminded that we don't have it. There there wasn't much logic to this, Um, and so Twitter, which obviously skews left and remain, basically loads of people started tweeting at Morrison to say, "Just so you know, I will not be using your products now because of the salt and pepper thing." (laughs) Everyone feels like they should have an impact at the moment, isn't it? Whether it's gluing your fucking face to the floor, or whether it is um, you know whether it's getting a director. Cancelled. This is the problem with social media, isn't it? It's made us all think that we we must have an impact, right? I don't think. I think that we should all look at a big kind of graph or, or a big kind of dot, and then show a much bigger dot that shows the rest of society. Because I think people have temporarily lost sight of the numbers that we represent. And it was hilarious to watch this play out. How how angry people were. You know how angry people went from labeling. You know a labeling issue to saying that this is sort of fascism. You know, this is this is typical of Boris Johnson's far-right Britain. I mean, I would argue that if Boris Johnson is at the point where he has any kind of hand in Morrison's labelling, then I think he's he's really putting in a shift. I would argue he's putting in the kind of work rate that you wouldn't really associate with Boris Johnson. If he's across the detail that much, that he wants to underpin positivity towards Brexit. I mean, one I suppose one thing... The, the, they are sort of obliged. I mean, a lot of the hatred came from Morrison's, but they are sort of obliged at this point to say that it's not stuff is not from the EU. Whether they need to feature it so prominently is the other issue. Is this a bit of the dark arts of of marketing? We certainly, I've said Morrison's way more times. You know, a hundred percent more than I've ever said on the podcast before. They always do this thing where they say, oh, "I'm just so embarrassed." I'm just so embarrassed. Europe must be laughing at us, looking and laughing, laughing and pointing. Those sophisticated Europeans just laughing at us, knuckle-headed British. And I always, I always think there's a certain fetishization of the whole continent of Europe. Do you know what I mean? You think about all the different countries there and all the, the variety of social attitudes. But they just seem to imagine Europe as this one sophisticated person holding like a glass of red wine in one hand wearing a fucking beret like reading a novel with the other and just going tsh. and it totally sort of sets aside the facts that repeated polls show that britain overall has a has a significantly more liberal attitude towards things like race and gay marriage and you know like how how you can naturalize and become english or british no for them you know europe is just going oh, just you do not understand do you? And am reading Baudelaire and looking at your pathetic labelling. is such childish. Um It's odd. It's a kind of orientalisation of a whole continent. And that is sometimes the big... It's not xenophobic in a negative sense, but once you start deciding that you know millions and millions of people are capable of being either positive or negative, you're sort of on the same spectrum. And they kind of want Britain to be punished, don't they? You, you saw this several times during the Brexit negotiations. Uh, and... It's almost like a kind of form of political BDSM, isn't it? <laughs> they do live in this country, right? They, they, they're not going to benefit from Britain being punished, but they're like, oh, Ursula. Ursula, with Britain, we've been bad. We've been bad. We haven't stuck by international law. Punish us. We're so bad. We just throw the book at us. Literally. Scratch us. Ursula, do what needs to be done. But the bottom line is, is that you're shouting at packaging at the end of the day. You know, however much you want to dress it up and tie it into some meta-narrative about the rise of the far right in Britain and jingoism and boosterism from Boris, you're shouting at packaging too, okay? You just, you're getting, (laughs) you must have such a fucking great life, right? If you can just, if you can get on, if you have the space or time in your world to tweet at Morrisons, just so you know, just so you know, at Morrisons, I will not be buying your product again, yeah, and, and that comes at great personal cost for me because you do have a wonderful camembert and I don't really think that the English cheese is compared. But just so you know, I will not tolerate fascist labelling of chicken. It's, it's okay, we're going to talk a little bit about the old men's mental health here. Um, I don't know about you, but, you know, I'm sort of am a bit knackered and a bit fucked at the moment, you know? colds, fatigue, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's that time of year anyway, but I don't know if we remember, because we had sort of a year off last year. We hadn't gone out and done as much. When it hit November, we were like, uh, still feel like I got a bit in the tank. But like a lot of people, and certainly like a lot of self-employed people, when um, when uh, lockdown ended and you know, Freedom Day happened, I, I, I took on a very busy diary. You know, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, absolutely. I'll uh, I'll write during the day all day and then drive to fucking Lyme Regis. What could possibly go wrong? Um but, yeah, I wonder how many people now are feeling what I'm feeling. It's just like a bit, little bit burnt out. And I know some of you are thinking, oh, Norcott, it must be tough writing those jokes, eh? You must have arthritis of the funny bone. But, <laughs> look, just so you know, okay, if you're taking the piss, I have had Carpal Tunnel partly triggered. Yeah, I get triggered um, by writing jokes. That is what I do for my art um but what happens is you start so you go through this busy period you get head down you can get overwhelmed sometimes i know my good friend Catherine ryan she's very good at not looking more than a week ahead you know and she says this you know excellent book which you should all check out um but i would love to think like that but i can't help doing it i, I look at the ICal, the i calendar i draw back and i start to obsess and i get overwhelmed but you know i've come for, come out the other side of it now everything seems to have gone pretty well you know the tour's been good there's been loads of tv stuff and that's overwhelmingly seem to have gone well. But then you start to idealise the time off, don't you? That whole time you're thinking, when I get to that point, it's a bit quieter. Rather than working six, seven days a week, I'll be working like four, five. Oh, I'm going to enjoy that. I want to have some baths and watch some films. And then the time comes round. And the truth is, you're sort of bearing the scars of having got there in the first place. So you're still working at that level of adrenaline and intensity. But all you're doing really... Is deciding whether or not to have a bath or a shower and think you fucking freaking oh shit we need a decision on this because you're still working like your brain is still ticking over at that level and it starts applying the same level of, of sort of stress and intensity to things that don't really deserve it right and so you know it takes a bit of a while to calm down that's why i went to see june because sometimes i've just got to go in a place where i can't turn my phone on or anything and, and just do, that's the level of like what it needs for me to get absorbed in something is like a two and a half hour epic about some fucking sand planet with (laughs) that was all it took and immediately you know what immediately afterwards i was annoyed that it wasn't like a multi-part tv series i thought i should have got 10 hours out of this um but yeah post lockdown i mean i i I don't know about you but if you're self-employed i took on everything going because we saw the biggest fear for self-employed people was always the what if I can't work, right? And everyone said, ah, you know, it always kind of sorts itself out in the end. And then we couldn't work, right? And maybe that is the biggest scar of the pandemic for some people, um, is that well, there's a mental gouge, right, in terms of the level that you tick over at, is that you feel like you should always be working. That'll be, you know, like my, my, my dad, he grew up uh, during rationing. And he never got over the fact that he could have butter whenever he wanted. So he just always had butter on everything and just have way more than he needed. Maybe that would be my thing, you know, like that would be my equivalent is that I will just always feel I'm never able to be be able to relax about how much I work, right? And, uh, you know, sort of of have a massive coronary at 56. (laughs) So he died because of the pandemic. But it would be really difficult to sort of demonstrate an absolute link to that and I wonder if you, I wonder if you're, may I wonder if you're doing that too? I wonder if you've kind of like gone hell for leather. And also, let's be honest, the fucking social events as well, yeah. Because we all, we all said to ourselves, God, I just miss people. I miss pubs. I miss drinking. And so you said yes to every fucking thing going. Uh, you sort of like, and you're not match fit for making up excuses either. <laughs> you know, you just uh, those instinctive reasons. Oh, God, yeah, that is that is uh, that is football. That day, that's football. You know, people caught you on the hop. You said yes to everything. So, you know, I'm kind of... I'm starting to chill out a bit now, but I'm just trying to coach myself into realising I haven't gone mad. That's what... I, the biggest problem with all this stuff, whether you, it's because of grief or anxiety, is that your brain is operating in a way that you weren't expecting, and you just think, oh, I've gone fucking mad. That's always mine. I've gone fucking Here we go. Fucking lost it this time. I've got, absolutely. Oh, no, this is worse than before. But I you guess you've got to think of it as like an oil tanker turning around and an oil tanker turning around that's sort of got a few oil spills that are going and, and stuff is on fire and you know there are some somali pirates trying to board uh, on one side <laughs> and the other thing is like you know you sort of think about how you feel at this time of year and it is it is a rough time of year i don't know maybe we always felt this knackered I don't know. I don't know what I'm comparing it to. I'm also nearly two years older than the last time I remember what it was like to have an autumn pre-pandemic. So maybe it was just... Mate, so what I will say is thank fuck for Nurofen. I do not know how middle-aged people got through their sort of mid-40s and feeling like this without Nurofen. What did they used to do? You know, like Nurofen, I don't know if you're listening, but you should be the official sponsors of middle age because when you're feeling run down... <laughs> you i mean if people are honest with themselves once you get to a certain age about the the sort of circumstances in which you have a neurofin it's sort of like yeah inflammation pain and then it becomes like yeah i just want to feel slightly better than i do um but yeah i suppose that's the that's what i'm thinking about at the moment is when you're busy and you stop what can cause you extra mental stress is by worrying that you don't immediately feel better right you know, if you used to have a really busy period, get on a plane and sit on a beach, you think I should be happy because I'm on a beach. But your your brain is going, oh, I'm not on a fucking beach. Do you know what I mean? I'm still I'm still on the M5, driving to a travel lodge in Taunton. What people say? Okay, I just one letter this week. I've got from uh, Mick Davis. So he says, "Morning, Jeff." Says nice things about the podcast. I bought the audiobook and saved it for the long car journeys I had coming up. I was very surprised at how good it was. Thank you. I always like to surprise people by being half decent. It was like a Dickens novel. Hello, fucking hell. He's only, he only compared me to Charlie D. Uh, the trials and tribulations you went through during your childhood were recounted brilliantly. But who was my Miss Faversham? The book was funny, brutally honest, and very clever. Uh, I, listen, I mean, I'm basically wanking myself off here, innit? But this is nice. You know, I kind of need it. The nights are drawing in. I listened to it all in one journey. Oh, well, that must have been a heck of a journey. Jesus Christ. I then listened to it again with my wife, who was also loved it, laughing a lot and crying a little. Uh, Keep doing what you're doing. Looking forward to seeing you in Wolverhampton on March the 31st. Yeah, I mean, thanks, man. I I love the fact that the book is out there. There There is a slight... With comedy, there is a slightly exhausting element to it it's not like feel, you know like you, you always have to go and prove yourself and that is what makes live gigs so great and and being back out on tour is fantastic but the fact the book is just there that's what's nice about it i did the work and it was really hard i did it uh in the first lockdown and then it's just i don't have to do it again do you know what i mean just every time someone buys it it's like there's a sort of clone of me that goes goes out and does this performance and then people say nice things. So if you haven't bought the book in any form and if you've bought and read the book but you're sort of thinking about the audio, then please do do buy it. Do buy it and, and read it or listen to it because I, am, I want to do another book, man. I want to do another book and you need to, when you go into these pitch meetings, as you can imagine, in the world of publishing, being left-leaning as it is, it's a hard sell with old Jeffers in the first place but what you need is, is good numbers on the board and my, and my my numbers for the book have been good do you know what I mean they could definitely be better so uh, buy the book be like Mick Davis listen to it all in one brutal journey maybe he was also on the M5 do you know what I mean maybe he was on the M5 going past Taunton and, and he was having a little cry driving past the travel lodge that I was sitting outside crying eating KFC imagine that could be a film So it just remains for us this week to do a few reviews on the old iTunes. Uh, Thank you for wherever you leave reviews. I I read out the ones on iTunes because they're the only ones I can access. If you leave a five-star review, I will read it out. So this is from Rusty Squiz. I mean, that sounds like a euphemism for a substance, shall I say that, started listening to the podcast during lockdown, not sure how or why, look forward to his weekly take on events as it often sways my left leanings towards the right, better or worse, I really enjoyed the gig in Verwood, Uh, thank you very much mate, yeah the gig in Verwood was a belter, oh we got one star there, I'm not going to read it out, but uh, oh you big meanie, you meanie with your one star, Uh, this is from German James, Jeff is able to expound expound reasonable centre right liberal views in a light hearted way that allows listeners to hear them without having to take immediate offence. An important podcast in Britain's modern Britain's political discourse. Cheers, James. I said, why did I not read that in German accent? Uh, Jeff is able to expound. I would have really enjoyed, you know, getting my mouth around some of these words. Reasonable centre right liberal. view I don't know where that accent's gone. I sort of started sounding like Henning Vane. Uh, I'm co- so this is from Sam Hosier. Sam Hosier. That just sounds like an American name. I'm constantly playing catch up on Jeff's podcast, but absolutely love listening to it when I'm on my own in the car for work or to and from the airport between Cambridge and Londonshire. He didn't say Londonshire. I'm just stereotyping the Americans. Not sure I've agreed, disagree with the word he said of, as of yet. And it really does put across what most people are thinking. Top podcasting. I mean, that does sound... Like something I've written (laughs) myself. Uh, This is from Simon Schaefer. Simon Schaefer. Well done, Jeff, for tackling what's currently the most tough subject on the planet. I thought you rambled at times and at moments you sounded fearful about... the. I don't know what it is. I don't know what topic you're talking about, Simon Schaefer. You've accused me of showing incredible courage. And you said it was excellent, but I don't know what the fuck... Maybe maybe it was (laughs) was something really simple, do you know what I mean? Maybe it was me talking about uh, KFC um uh, but yeah thank you i'm glad that you enjoyed it uh this is from fat northern bigot <laughs> uh jeff's so th- so fat northern bigger jeff's ever so slightly right of center podcast gets five stars for his attempt at an irish accent uh oh this is still we've got we've got quite a few five star reviews here on itunes this is nice uh, i'm a big fan of the show and a patreon not that he's read my name out well, message me through the Patreon. By the way, it's one of the benefits of Patreon is that you can message me, although don't get stalky with it. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, if you, if you keep going... It, it basically, if the, if you wake up and you've messaged me at 2am and you don't remember it, it's gone too far. Um, so sorry for that, but do message me and I'll give you the shout out. Um... So although my family worked their way out of the working class, primarily through the grammar school system, and for me reaching the rank of military officer, I find myself moving back from centre-right across the centre-left. Oh, and I'm a supranational Ramona, who is genuinely taking no pleasure in what's going on, by the way. Nevertheless, this podcast gives me a good perspective. Oh, and Jeff is razor-sharp and a very funny bloke. This is from Stuart Orchard. Make fun of that. Stuart Stuart Orchard. Stuart. Yeah, I yeah, make, make fun of that. Stewie. Stewie Look, it's late in the podcast, man. Stewie Orchard, Look, maybe this is why I didn't read it out. I don't I mean, it should, it's one of those names that should be easy to take the piss out of. It's just a fucking... It just sounds made up. Do you know what I mean? That sounds like you're your fuckboy profile on tinder okay so a few extra reviews there at the end and thank you very much listen if you listening i appreciate you listening if there's anybody you think might enjoy it uh obviously recommend it to them if there's a really pretentious lefty who you think it might annoy them just tell them it's you know just just tell them it's sort of like a marxist kind of novara media thing and just see how long they get into the podcast before they realize they